Welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. It's you-supported Real Life Radio. You want to find out who you are? Uh, you can. It's pretty simple. You may be a member, a partner, a supporter of Care to Share, which is all about community, unity, and opportunity. You can find out more at the Care to Share link over at realliferadio.com. And this is uh, the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. I'm Jeff Young, your host. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. It is a very rainy, stormy Tuesday uh, here in uh, in South Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. And uh, the clouds are rolling in. You might be able to hear some thunder in the background, but hey, that, uh, that makes good radio, right? Uh, today we have uh, a, a delightful guest. I'm so excited about our guest today. I'm going to introduce you to her in just a few minutes or just a moment, really. First, I want to give a shout out. You know, last Friday, uh, I was talking uh, recipes. It was Recipe Friday, and I was kind of uh, continuing something I had started earlier in the week, which was uh, Louisiana shrimp recipes. And I gave you not only some classic standard uh, recipes like crawfish, uh, not crawfish, shrimp etouffee uh, as one of them, a shrimp Rumelade salad is another, uh, but I also gave you something a little more exotic, perhaps uh, Greek. It was a Greek dish, kind of in honor of uh, Greek fest here in New Orleans, and it was a garlic shrimp with tomatoes, peppers, and feta. And I want to give a shout out to Michelle D. Michelle D. Who is a Live Faith Girl on Instagram. Uh, she contacted me after the show, uh, thanked me for the recipe, and said that it was definitely on her menu uh, for the weekend. And sure enough, she not only did she make it, she sent me a, a picture of that, uh, a beautiful dish. And I'm going to put that uh, over on catholicfoodie.com. So if you want to, uh, in the next day or so, uh, check out the website over there, catholicfoodie.com, for this particular show, uh, you get to see a picture of what Michelle uh, put together. It was a beautiful dish. I'm very excited about that. And speaking about being excited, it maybe it's just something in my blood. I love uh, life. Life is good. God blesses us with all kind of good things. And today we're blessed with a, uh, a delightful guest, a wonderful uh, uh, chef, a wonderful woman here in New Orleans. Her name is Chef Amy Sins. And uh, Chef Amy, I'm going to pull up her bio here. Uh, her, her bio, you're going to be able to find it over at Languanola.com. A wonderful website, and I love what this has to say. Chef Amy Sins is a born and raised South Louisiana girl with Cajun and Creole cooking woven into her culinary DNA. The Gulf Coast region serves as her pantry, and she cooks with passion and enthusiasm using native ingredients and local food traditions from boucherie to bayou, rice fields to rue, cypress-filled swamps to seafood. In 2005, when Hurricane Katrina threatened to destroy the community and culture of South Louisiana, Chef Amy wrote Ruby Slippers Cookbook, Life, Culture, Family, and Food after Katrina, an award-winning cookbook celebrating Louisiana foodways and telling the story of life in the aftermath of the storm. In 2012, Chef Amy opened a Lingua, her dream restaurant, an endeavor that seeks to preserve Louisiana cuisine through interactive dining demonstrations and classes. Since then, Lingua has received local, regional, and national praise, including selection as one of the best cooking schools around the world by travel and leisure. In 2012, Sins also won the GSN's reality show cooking competition, Beat the Chefs. In 2014, Chef Amy was nominated to the honor of the best chefs of Louisiana, up-and-coming chefs by the prestigious American Culinary Federation. When she's not teaching at Langlois, Amy hosts 
New Orleans by Mouth, a weekly radio program on WRBH 88.3 FM. And uh, Chef Amy, I am so excited to have you join us today. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. You have quite a bio. (laughs) I was listening to it going, oh my goodness. They made me sound really fancy. It's pretty exciting. It's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, I'd say probably the last 10 years have been an opportunity for me to kind of redefine myself and refine myself. And uh, I'd say in the last three, the corner, you know, finally made it around that corner. So it's been it's been an exciting run. <laughs> that, yeah, it ha- it, that's awesome, and it, it seems to kind of coincide somewhat with the, uh, the the kind of the after Katrina thing, huh? Yeah, you know, I feel like um, I think Katrina overall and all the people across the Gulf Coast who were impacted, whether they were in New Orleans, you know, they were in Past Christian, um, all across um, the area. It was a kind of a defining moment in our lives. Um, you know, it started off where we would just saw it as a defining moment of before Katrina and after Katrina and looking at the differences in what, you know, the way things were before to the way things are now. And I think probably the first three to five years after um, were the hardest in that we had to kind of redefine ourselves with it. And, you know, it, uh, it, it really, for me personally, it gave me an opportunity to see what I liked about myself, what I didn't like about myself. And, you know, it gave me a fresh, uh, slate, if you will, to mm-hmm. start and, uh, kind of change. So it's, it's been super, super exciting last few years. Yeah, that's an amazing thing uh, to think about. You know, I, I know there are, there are lots of folks out there who um, who have have a, a similar experience where you know in the aftermath of Katrina, we were focused really on the rebuilding of the city, which is still something that's going on. I mean, it's not it's not finished. We have a lot of great things happening in the city, but it it, it was a, a rebuilding effort that is uh, something that continues even to today. And I, I think for a lot of folks, it really opened up the opportunity to do a personal rebuilding. You know, to uh, absolutely to, to grow in ways that perhaps, you know, maybe being stuck in a rut prior to Katrina and, and in a way, this thing, which is not something that we can, you know, we're, we're not certainly not happy that this happened. I mean, it's a, it was a terrible, terrible uh, event to, to go through and, and lots of lives were, were lost and lots of lives were damaged. But uh, it, it, in a way, is what's the saying, you know, uh, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade, you know, that in a make way, lemonade. yeah, it kind of gives us an opportunity to, to grow and to, to maybe break out of old patterns and to... Uh, to, to walk on a, a new path. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I know, I know I've had the pleasure, uh, Amy, to, to meet you in person and to actually watch you, uh, work your magic, you know, in the kitchen, uh, about a year ago, uh, that was at the, uh, the food farm to table, uh, uh symposium. Yeah. And, and I do want to talk about that in, in just a little while, but what I would like to do is perhaps, um, uh, have you explain to us, uh, what this, this thing called, cause I, I don't want to call it just like a restaurant. It's, it's so much more than that, but this thing called called Langwa, which uh, for folks who are not from around South Louisiana, that's spelled A-L-N-G-L-O-I-S. Uh, perhaps you can share with us maybe the inspiration behind Langwa and, and exactly sure. what it is that, that y'all do. Yeah, 
it's kind of funny because we sit there and we go, how do we define ourselves? And, you know, as a business owner, I'm constantly struggling to rebrand and brand myself and answer the question of what is Langwine? Who is, you know, Chef Amy? And uh, it's something that I, I, I guess, evaluate and reevaluate on a daily basis. And it's been really fun with Langlois because we have grown and developed into what we wanted to become. And when I say that, it's because when we first opened Langlois, we're kind of coming into our third anniversary now. So, uh, we started off and we were an interactive dining restaurant and, um, it, it was a little confusing because in New Orleans, people uh, really want either dining or they want cooking classes. And so then we uh, kind of developed ourselves again and we said, okay, we're going to teach cooking classes. But as our guests came in the door, they would tell us, you're you're so much more. It, mm. It's not just a cooking class. It's not just a restaurant. And um, I, I tried to explain it to someone the other day and I'm like, when I was a little kid, and my parents would have dinner parties and it was the most exciting thing to do <laughs> because I got to polish the silver and we would make the cheese ball and put out all the crackers and all the fancy things. And then my parents would send us to the, to our rooms and say, you, you know, you play games, y'all hang out. And every now and then we would peek out of a doorway into the hallway and watch these grownups just having a great time. And I, I remember as a kid thinking, when I grow up, I want to have dinner parties like my parents do. <laughs> and um, I was explaining a little bit of Langlois to someone, and I said, oh, my goodness, I really am doing exactly what I would say that I wanted to do. I'm throwing a dinner party every night in my own restaurant, and uh, people who are complete strangers are learning about our cuisine. They're eating dinner. They're wandering about, drinking wine, but making new friends. And uh, so we kind of have turned into a dinner party restaurant, if you will. And so, um, you know, I, I joked about it, but now I realize, Hey, I am that <laughs> dream of that little girl in her pajamas peeking out the, the doorway actually has come true. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's almost like, yeah, I've heard a lot of, uh, of people who, who really feel like they're doing what they're made to do, doing what they're created to do. And a lot of times you hear stories like that, you know, it's, there was this thing that happened when I was a kid, or there's something that I, I always wanted to do since I was a child. And, and lo and behold, it, it, they may they may take a circuitous, I believe is the term, uh, route to get there. Yeah. But when they get there, they know where they are and they know who they are and they know that this is what they were meant to do. That is a, a beautiful, uh, a beautiful reality, a beautiful story. And how it happens is just, it's so organic because if you had asked me, you know, 20 years ago, um, what are you going to be when you grow up? And, you know, I may have said I was going to be this high power business professional, or I was <laughs> going to be an attorney, or I had, you know, a million things that I wanted to do. But then when you asked me what is fun, I would say, I love to cook, oh, yeah. but I never thought that <laughs> that would be my career. And so, you know, I went the path of studying business and doing all the things that you're supposed to do, but then end up doing what's fun. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. That's a, that's a great point. And, uh, it, it makes me wonder, cause I love to cook. You know, I do, I love to cook and I cook for certain events around town. And, uh, and unfortunately we have to take a break first. <laughs> I do want to ask this question and hopefully I can remember this when we come back. But folks, you are listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on you-supported Real Life Radio. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a minute. 
Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio on You Supported Real Life Radio. Make sure you check out uh, our Care to Share program over at uh, realliferadio.com. Uh, before the, the break, uh, Chef Amy, I, I, was, uh, I had a question I wanted to ask you. You know, you were talking about maybe my own term for it was the circuitous uh, route of getting to what you love to do and how it, it kind of stems from, when you look back, it really does stem from something you really desired as a, as a child. And uh, you made you made that comment. You said that uh, it, it, it's fun. And and I love that. I absolutely love that. But it makes me scared too. <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, I, I love to cook. I have a lot of fun in the kitchen. I mean, I wrote a book. I got a, a cookbook out uh, as of last year. Um, I, I do this food and faith thing on on the radio and on uh, you know on CatholicFoodie.com. And my wife and I, we have cooked for events. You know, a lot of local events um, over the years. And I can't tell you how many people have approached me and said, "Oh, you need to open a restaurant. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that." And my fear has been, even though I love it, even though it's fun, my fear has been that if I take what I love and I make it into a job, I might not love it as much anymore. Can you maybe speak on that and give me some consolation? (laughs) Absolutely. So um, it's funny because there seems to be two schools of thought. You know, people say, do what you love and you'll be successful. And then there are people who say, oh, work is work. And Mm -hmm. even if you love it, you're going to, you know, it's work. And it really is. But I think if the passion is there, it doesn't feel like work. Um, You know, yes, I work 16 hour days and I may go weeks without a day off. And my husband and I kind of pass in the night in the hallway because, you know, (laughs) our schedules are so crazy. But when we sit down and I I still have that same level of excitement of, oh, goodness, baby, let me tell you about my day. And it's just as exciting as it was the first day, but every day is different. And um, I... I also find that a lot of people who are in this industry and have, uh, you know, employees who work for me who say, oh, I don't cook at home anymore. And I still get that great kind of relaxing, um, you know, I guess pleasure, you know, that whole like I'm just relaxed when I cook mm-hmm. and it clears my head and I still get to do that at home. So it's a different way of cooking at home than it is the way that I cook here at work every day. But you know, I, I think we have all been in jobs that we haven't loved. Right. And when we look back at, you know, our quality of life and overall, I think if you are happy at work where you are spending a large majority of your day, it's going to translate to being happy when you get home because, um, you know, you've had, you've had good energy all day long and then you go somewhere and then you go home and you still have that good energy. Oh, I love that. So I say go for it. If you love it, (laughs) um, be passionate about it and don't be afraid, you know, uh, Everyone uh, makes mistakes. Everyone fails. Everyone succeeds. It's just a matter of time and making it happen. <laughs> uh, do you hear that, Char? Are you listening? My wife is. Uh, her name is Char, so maybe she's <laughs> listening to that. But uh, yeah, I love that. I love that. That's a fantastic uh, way of looking at it. You know, I do. I have talked to chefs. I've talked to many, many chefs who have said that I, I don't cook at home. You know, they, they're so worn out. I guess right. from from cooking uh, at the restaurant that they don't they don't cook at home. But I do. I find that, uh, and I liken I liken it to gardening. You know, some people have a green thumb. I have a black 
thumb. I, I'm not any good in the garden, but cooking does you for me. You say that I'm, as I'm looking at my three dead sweet potato <laughs> plants sitting right in front of me, so I feel your pain, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know, some people, you just need to hire professionals. You know what I mean? I just can't do that. <laughs> but that's, that's, I mean, cooking for me does what I think a lot of times or a lot of people say gardening does for them. It helps them to relax and they can kind of deal with the the stress of life and and just unplug. And, you know, um, and that's what cooking is like for me. And I I would just hate to, in a sense, kind of maybe lose that if I were to do this more, um, more professionally, but you've given me some excellent, excellent food for thought there. And uh, well, you know, you, you, you cook at Langlois and you have these dinner parties that you throw. What is, I mean, can you Give us like a little snapshot of like the day in the life. What do you what do you do? Sure, um, a day in the life. It's a it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I think my, every day my husband's like, oh my gosh, my wife has lost her mind, and I think it's become a common occurrence. Like we'll have a conversation, and I'll say, oh baby, I have a great idea, and he's like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> but um, I think that's what keeps it interesting and keeps my staff on my on their toes. Every day is a different day, and you know it is the typical you know wake up, go get the groceries, buy all the supplies come in, you know, run the business, answer the phone calls. But um, every day is an adventure. And I think in the hospitality industry in general, it's one of those things where you don't know who's going to come in your front door from day to day. Mm -hmm. Yes, we get a lot of return clients, but they don't return on a weekly basis. They come every couple of months with friends and family that are in town visiting or their special date night. And then we have this mix of people who it's their first time to New Orleans or they come every year and they've decided to come to Langlois this year. And so I never know who is going to walk in my front door and um, how much they know about me, what their expectation level is, how good of a cook they are, um, if they're a finicky eater. These are all things that I think restaurants in general, we don't know who's coming in the front door every day. And so for me, that is what's super exciting is being able to adapt, adjust, and handle the dynamic environment that we're Mm. in. So, um, you know, I, a day in the life is hard to say because there is no such thing as the typical day right. here at Langlois. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I have guests that are from um, Peru sitting next to guests from the West Bank of New oh, Orleans, wow. sitting next to guests <laughs> who are visiting from, you know, Ohio, and it, it's all these different cultures at one table, but somehow everybody gets along, everyone has a great time, and they all leave new friends. So uh, there's, there's nothing typical about it. <laughs> See, that's beautiful though. That's beautiful. Cause you know, all these good things happen around the table and that's just, uh, that says a lot, you know, um, you know, Lingua, Lingua for folks who, again, who aren't really from around, uh, South Louisiana may be a, a kind of a, a, a different, uh, name, you know, it, it comes from the, the, the French. And, uh, can you tell us what, why, why did you choose that particular name? If I recall, there is a, a really good story behind that. Sure. I, um, when I was trying to come up with a name for the business, I, um, I actually locked myself. I, um, rented a, a hotel, um, 
in Florida, and I brought every textbook, Louisiana textbook, every Louisiana cookbook, everything Louisiana that I could fit in the trunk of my car, and drove and said, <laughs> I'm going to lock myself away and do research. And, you know, there were words that would come across, you know, the desk that I would get excited about. And I would hear, see things like mock chew or flambo or, you know, there were so <laughs> many words that were exciting about New Orleans and about Louisiana in general. And then I had this old, like, Louisiana history textbook that I was going through and some um, more modern books that had history of Louisiana. And all of a sudden, I saw the word language. And I kind of got chills and I was like, oh my Mm. goodness. And then I started reading the story and, you know, as the story goes and, you know, we don't know who she is or how to find her or what her first name is because stories are stories. Um, but uh, according to some of the books that we, I read, um, Madame Langlois was Danville's housekeeper when New Orleans, the colony of New Orleans was founded. And um, pretty much if you look at the history of New Orleans, um, you know, and Louisiana, all the guys got out of jail free in France, which yeah. <laughs> I think kind of explains the trouble we have gotten ourselves into over the years. Right, right. <laughs> but um, it's very hard to start a colony and populate a colony when all you have are a bunch of guys that get off the boats in the colony. So um, the governor Bienville sent a request that um, they get some ladies in the colony. And I would say that these ladies were sold a a bad bill of goods. Um, They arrived in a hot, swampy mess of South Louisiana, were married off to the first criminal they met, and um, were there to start the colony. So I can imagine the level of... uh, I guess, protest and um, (laughs) disappointment that these poor ladies felt. But um, as the story goes, uh, these ladies were very upset about the lackluster cuisine in the colony, particularly the lack of good quality French bread and the inability to get a traditional French baguette. So they formed a formal protest and marched on Governor Bienville's house, banging their pots and pans, demanding good quality French bread or the next boat back to France. So, um, Bienville's housekeeper, Madame Lingua, I imagine uh, Bienville turned to her and said something like, what am I going to do with all the crazy ladies? <laughs> and um, <laughs> so she invited them into her kitchen and she had been studying with our local Native Americans and she learned how to make cornbread. So she mm. taught the ladies cornbread as a substitution and crisis averted. This group of ladies decided to stay. And then every day, Madame Lingua would open up her kitchen, invite people in and take teach them how to cook with the wild game and the fresh seafood and the Mm. things that their husbands brought home. So um, some would say that she started one of the first cooking schools in North America. And we carry on her tradition of opening up our kitchen to our guests. So if they want to sit back, relax, drink their wine and make new friends, they're welcome to do so. But if they want to come into a commercial kitchen and see what it's like to prepare a restaurant quality meal, um, we encourage them to do that as well. So uh, right now we're making bananas foster in our ice cream. We're making mm. liquid nitrogen. So the whole mm. kitchen is filled with smoke. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, so there's a lot of fun and excitement involved 
And, uh, you know, we like to think that we're kind of modernizing that tradition of opening up your kitchen and teaching people from, you know, locals as well as guests from out of town how to use what is the resources that are so available to us in South Mm. Louisiana. Wow, that sounds like a a perfect match, the name and the mission. Uh, Awesome. And uh, we do have to take another break real quick. Uh, You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, and we'll be back in just a minute. supported real life radio i'm your host jeff young we're talking today with uh, chef amy sins of uh, lingua uh, in new orleans a wonderful uh, restaurant that is more than a restaurant a cooking school that is more than a cooking school it is uh, as she had said earlier in the show it is uh, kind of like having a, a dinner party every night and uh, chef amy during the break i you know after you finished the, the, uh, sharing with us uh, the story behind the name lingua and we ended the uh, last segment i was telling you that i mean the name's perfect i mean you have this 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 woman who brings these other ladies into the to the to her kitchen to teach them how to cook and how to uh to deal with the uh, the unique um uh, culinary uh uh resources here in in south louisiana and i mean you're doing the same thing you're living the the, the mission of, of bringing bringing people into your kitchen and, and teaching them how to uh how to cook and also providing wonderful food uh, uh for them it, it, to me, it just seems like you are really living the life. I I, I couldn't be happier I, at this point in my life. I think I'm finally doing what I was born to do. And um, it took a while to get here. It took a, a long time to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I, I have such a supportive husband and a supportive family and a great staff that uh I, I can't complain. I, I'm so happy and so proud of my team. And it's kind of like you're at that point where you're like, I'm going to look back and go, you know, this this time was like the highlight of my career. This is so exciting. That is awesome. That is a beautiful thing. You know, during the break, uh, you had mentioned, uh, well, actually I had asked you, you know, if you had shared the story of, of the name uh, often in the in the restaurant, you mentioned that that's one of the things you share when, when folks come in. It's one of the first questions that people tend to ask you is, you know, what does the name mean? And I can't help because I know... I don't, I don't do what you do. You know, I'm, I do, I do write about food. I do uh, recipe development. I do write recipes and post those out there and I do that kind of stuff. But most of the people who listen to the show, most of the people who, who uh, visit my website or read my book, they know I'm from New Orleans, right? So they know my roots. And, and so I frequently get this question and I'm sure that you probably get it a whole lot more than I do. And the question typically boils down to what is the difference between Cajun and Creole? I know today lots of people use the two terms interchangeably, but there's obviously a difference, huh? They're absolutely two distinctly different cuisines. And I think it's probably the second most common question after what does lingua mean and how do you pronounce it? Then uh, people come in and they're like, well, tell me about Cajun and Creole. And I have to say, okay, let's wait a second because I'm going to tell this <laughs> to everybody at the same time because everyone's going to ask me this question. So I'll just tell everybody at once. And, um, you know, it, I think that 
our marketing here for the state and the city, we've done a disservice to these cuisines and that we tend to blur the lines and we, we aren't very clear. You know, we're, we're running a, a commercial that's saying Creole seasoning, yet the background they're doing Cajun Zydeco right. music, you know, so we're not, uh, we're confusing people before they even get here. And so it's our job, I think, as, as um, residents of Louisiana to explain to people that they are two very distinctly different regional cuisines. And if we look at, you know, the history of the Cajuns coming from French Nova Scotia, from Lacadie, and uh, settling down in South Louisiana and the prairies and the bayous and really bringing that kind of rustic, um, one-pot meal, family-style cuisine that we are familiar with, uh, that is, you know, sharply different than that sophisticated French Creole cuisine that started in the city of New Orleans. And we look that, you know, it started off as a fancy French. If so, it's Creole. Is it rustic Cajun? Okay, it's, you know, that's Cajun because it's the rustic cuisine. But now, you know, we see that New Orleans is a port city. Mm-hmm. And being a port city, our food, our, the, our access to ingredients, it's constantly changing because of groups moving in. So we see in our local cuisine, we see the influence of the Native Americans who were here, the influence of the French, the Spanish, the West Africans, the Germans. Uh, but where we really see our Creole cuisine in the city of New Orleans transform is when the Sicilian moved in. Mm. And that love of the tomato oh. brought to us by our <laughs> Sicilian immigrants single-handedly transformed our cuisine. So um, I grew up in Gonzales, Louisiana. I was mm-hmm. born here in New Orleans, grew up in Gonzales, and then came back to um, to New Orleans. And, you know, our claim to fame, besides we have a great outlet mall, is that we are the jambalaya <laughs> capital of the world. That's right. And, you know, I joke about that, and I'm like, we're the jambalaya capital of the world. But the jambalaya in Gonzales is a brown jambalaya. That's right. There is no tomato in that jambalaya because the Sicilians didn't transform that cuisine. But if I would go to New Orleans and have jambalaya, you know, as a kid, I would joke and go, why is there red on the right? Because it didn't seem like jambalaya to me because there was that tomato component. And so um, you see that that influence of the Sicilians really provided that kind of distinctive line of does it have a tomato or does it have a not? have a tomato that is now determining the difference between Cajun and Creole. But I think we're going to see, we're seeing Creole cuisine continue to change and transform with the influence of our Filipino communities, our Vietnamese communities and our Honduran communities here in New Orleans that, you know, they're going to be the next evolution of our local cuisine. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know the tomato. I love tomatoes. By the way, I can't. I can't help it. And and right now we are in a Creole tomato season. And uh, boy, I tell you, there's, there's just nothing like um, sliced Creole tomatoes. Just a little salt and pepper. I, I just I love that. Um, but you know, I've always had a difficult time. And since you you see so many people from so many different places, you may have a better way of explaining this. I, I've always had a hard time trying to explain to people who aren't from here exactly what a Creole tomato is. Do you have a, a, a an easy way of doing that? 
Um, if you ask them, they will say it is the most delicious oh, yes. only tomato to eat. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, I too will eat them every day while they're in season. Cause that season may only last a few weeks or, uh, only a week, depending upon our weather and the temperatures and the heat. Um, but it is a delicious, you know, red tomato that is grown in the alluvial soil of South Louisiana. Um, and we celebrate it like we celebrate all of our food here and um you know once it gets a little too hot in the evening those flowers don't set so it really depends on the weather how many tomatoes we're going to get and so you know there's not for me there's nothing like it warm from the sun off the vine there's Mm. something about that you know warm tomato off the sun and then a bacon tomato sandwich on soft white bread is like oh yeah (laughs) It just makes me smile. <laughs> and making all of us hungry. <laughs> that is Absolutely. so good. That is so good. I know. I do know. I mean, I remember I had a wonderful conversation, delightful conversation. And, and now I'm trying to think back if it was last summer or maybe the summer beforehand with Marcel Bienvenu and uh, who who is out in the, toward more toward the Lafayette area. And and Marcel was saying, you know, it was the same thing. I noticed it too. I think I was the one who had brought it up on the show that that particular season, I don't know know if it had been the, the, the winter that we had or the, the rain that we had or didn't have or or some folks had even said maybe it was due to the change in the soil because of Katrina. I don't know what it was, but the Creole tomatoes just didn't taste the same as they did in my memory, you know? Have you, have you noticed that? Well, you know, it's funny to say that because, you know, I, I have people say that to me all the time about strawberries. They're like, I want to have a real strawberry, a strawberry that tastes like strawberry. Right. You know, I want to have a tomato that tastes like the tomato of your childhood. And I think using those heirloom variety seeds mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, using things, you know, the seeds that have been passed down for generations over some of the larger, you know, seeds that we're going to go get at a big box store that I feel like those have lost some flavor. And so really trying to get your hands on some good seeds, I think you're going to have a better outcome on a more delicious tomato. Uh, well, I, I am certainly game for trying that because there's just nothing like it. And if I was able to pull it off my own, if I didn't have a black thumb, see, that's a problem. That's the problem. I need to get somebody <laughs> to come over and help me with uh, with gardening. Now, now that we're talking a little bit about gardening here, I do, I do want to ask you another question. I saw, I don't remember now if it was on Twitter or Instagram, and this was probably a week or two ago, uh, I saw you, a picture of you on a big old tractor. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I know I know we only have about two minutes before our next break, and I don't want to open up a big, big, uh, you know, long conversation if we, 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 we will have to take a break. Uh, but uh, what was the story behind that? It was something about a fig tree, if I believe. So I will I will uh, tease you before you go to break <laughs> with the fact that it was a um, a pay it forward campaign that we did not know that we were getting ourselves into, which turned into I think an adventure and lifelong friends. And um, someone had donated a beautiful 
fig tree that turned out to be a gigantic fig tree to the Langwa farm uh, in, May, in the name of a, um, a friend's son who had passed away. And they like to do good deeds to, you know, pay it forward in this little boy's honor because he was such a good kid and it was loved and um, the family felt his loss. So they wanted to bring happiness. So their happiness is to, you know, pay it forward and uh, share and do nice things. And that was how we got this big tree. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that after the break. In the meantime, can you real quick, just tell us where people can find you online? Sure. Uh, we're at www.langlaisnola.com. So L-A-N-G-L-O-I-S-N-O-L-A.com. And we have all kinds of stories, history of Cajun and Creole cuisine, uh, glossary of terms if you're reading a menu in town and don't understand what the words are. Awesome. <laughs> and also um, our blog that follows our adventures here at Langwa. Awesome. And uh, we do have to take a break. This is the Catholic Foodie Show in Real Life Radio. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. You supported Real Life Radio. You can learn more about uh, the Care to Share program over at realliferadio.com. You can even find out perhaps who you are here on You Supported Real Life Radio. I'm Jeff Young, your host. We're talking today with uh, Chef Amy Sins here on the Catholic Foodie Show. Uh, Catholic um, uh, Chef Amy, rather, is the uh, chef and proprietor of uh, uh, Langwa in New Orleans. Now, before the break, Chef Amy, you were were teasing us with this story about uh, paying it forward, something about a fig tree, and I do remember the picture of you on that tractor. Um, Is there any more (laughs) that you want to share with us about that? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I guess earlier you were asking, you know, what is a, a day in the you know, life of Langlois or a day in the life of Amy? And I think I remember saying that my husband says something like, have you lost your mind? And I'm yeah. crazy. And um, we had one of those days, I guess about a week ago, um, where I had a, a guy that I went to college with. I went to college here in New Orleans at Loyola. And um, he called and he said, you know, I'm, I'm doing this job in this backyard. They have a lovely fig tree. The homeowners just can't stand the thought of tearing it down. Um, and so he said, well, I have, have a girl. You know, she might want your tree. So um, they thought it was great because it was part of that pay it forward. So um, I, I talked to my friend Jimmy, and I'm like, well, what do I need? And he says, well, you need a trailer so that we can put the tree on the trailer, and I'll have this guy that will help us dig it up, and then you can just go transplant it. So I get some people to help us dig a big hole at our farm with shovels. Um, And then I realized I need a trailer. And so I go on Facebook and I'm like, who has a trailer? And so this lovely couple that I had met at the New Orleans Food and Wine Experience said, oh, we rented a trailer. Um, We're going to, you know, make a day of this. And um, they had a one-year-old son and they were going to have this adventure because they wanted to help me get 
the fig tree. Oh, wow. And so I met him. We got so excited. We got to the spot. And then the guy looks at me and he goes, there's no way this tree's going to fit on that little bitty trailer. Oh, wow. And we were like <laughs> devastated. You know, oh, no. We did everything. You know, hugs all around. I sent the family back home with their trailer and uh, tried to sweet talk this guy that was running some heavy equipment in the area to dig up the tree and bring it to my farm for me. And when I tell you he was adamantly opposed to the idea to the point where he sat there and shook his head and said, no way, absolutely not. No way. And so I at least convinced him to tear down the tree so that I could pick all the figs off of the tree so that we at least wouldn't lose the figs. And after about three hours of picking figs and being sweaty and muddy and just covered in dirt, he looked at me and he said, girl, I didn't think you were going to work that hard. Hold on a minute. And so he and I, um, dug up the root ball with the equipment. He put it on the back of his truck and then he drove the root ball down to our farm. So though we didn't get the whole standing fig, we got all the figs off of the tree. I got to run some heavy equipment and have fun. And then uh, we delivered the root ball to the big giant hole at our farm. And um, we're told that if we care for this root ball enough over the next year, we're going to get a fig tree out of it. So all in all, the family still got to pass it on. The couple who helped us um, get the trailer got to be part of a crazy adventure. And then we made new friends with my new buddy, Dale, who drives big, heavy equipment, <laughs> brought everything to the farm. And he left with armfuls of eggs and um, radishes and collard greens uh, for helping us out. So it was, you know, just one of our mini Langwa farm adventures, if you will. It's like you just never know what you're going to get every day, huh? <laughs> you never know. And you never, and I don't, I think people don't realize how nice people are. I mean, how so many strangers, I wasn't really in need, but they were just great, nice people all offering to help, which was so fun. And I think there is something there though, that when, when uh, you, the, it almost calls out to us, right? When there's something that is uh, genuinely a good thing to be done and it, and it's something that people do together. I mean, people do rally up for that. They, they do, uh, yeah. rise to the occasion, you know, and that, that is, uh, Absolutely. that is beautiful. Well, I, I'm looking forward to maybe some figs, uh, next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Jeff, I will absolutely, uh, I'll, you can come over with a bucket and we hope to have a bountiful fig tree and come pick some with us. Well, I, I'd love, I'd love to just come hang out and watch you do your thing at Langwa. I'd like to get a, the sneak Absolutely. peek as to as to what goes on there and and how it all runs. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you another question too. That I mean, this has just been such a delight talking with you again today. Uh, thank you so much, and we're not done yet. I just wanted to to say thank you right now because it's it's just thrilling for me. Uh, but I wanted to ask you too. I know that you, you are no stranger to radio. You have a show called New Orleans by Mouth, and can you tell us about your show? Sure. Um, I, I think just like my life has been in a stage of evolution, so has the radio show, which is super exciting. Um, we uh, have kind of rebranded the old chef show as New Orleans by Mouth, and we're constantly kind of tweaking it to really provide our listeners with what they're looking for. And so I... I'm interviewing uh, chefs, people who make artisan food products, uh, 
people who are in the food world, but maybe not necessarily people who have their own restaurants yet. So people who are aspiring restaurateurs who are doing pop-ups. So we're talking about food and the food trends and what their inspiration for their menu is. But um, we're also starting a new uh, little segment that's going to be kind of Amy on the Road, where I'll be interviewing chefs in their kitchen, farmers at their farm, and uh, kind of getting to where the people who help bring the food to our table are uh, because they're they're so busy bringing that food to our table. They don't always have time to come into the station and talk to me. So uh, I got some fancy equipment and now I'm going to go out and talk to them. Oh, that's awesome. That is exciting. And where, where can folks find the show? Sure. It's on WRBH radio. It's 88.3 FM. And um, it's also at WRBH.org. They live stream the show and you can download it from SoundCloud as well. So you can hear um, kind of the evolution of the show. You can hear it from the beginning to what it has become now. And uh, we air on uh, Wednesdays at 4.30 and then it rebroadcasts throughout the weekend. So uh, on the WRBH org website. You can see when the live show is and when the rebroadcast is. And uh, we also have a Facebook page called New Orleans by Mouth. So uh, we'd love for some of your listeners to, to check us out too. Awesome. Awesome. And I, I will certainly have uh, links over at catholicfoodie.com. So anybody who is uh, listening now, if you're in your car and you can't, uh, you know, jot things down, that's okay. You, know, you shouldn't be uh, writing down notes uh, and no texting either uh, <laughs> while you're driving. So uh, maybe later, just go to catholicfoodie.com. You can find the uh, the links there. Um, now, Chef Amy, I always, I always like to ask uh, questions. When I'm talking to chefs, I mean, they have uh, so many different questions that I, I like to ask, but uh, a couple of couple of standard questions that I always, because everybody's got a different experience, you know, a different, uh, different things that they like and, and, and whatnot. But if I were to ask you, like, what is your favorite dish? What is your favorite meal to enjoy? What, what would that be? <laughs> that is so funny. Um, and so that's an easier question than what's my favorite restaurant because then I would have to ask you 800 other, you know, probing questions Qualifying about what you want to wear and how far right. you want to drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I will say my absolute favorite thing in the world is what I would call red gravy. So anything with a delicious, you know, Italian style tomato sauce. I am in love with. So if it's on a pizza, if it's in a Parmesan, if it's um, just in a bowl that I get to dip some really crusty bread, I, you know, I joke, I could live on bread and gravy. So, and for me, gravy is any liquid on a plate that you can dip your bread in. Oh yeah. And so, um, but my favorite would be just about anything in that, you know, Italian style red gravy. And I have no Italian in me that I know of, but my heart is there. <laughs> And I love Italian food. See so. that that is funny. We have a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> I grew up. My uh, I used to love. I mean, anything with with red gravy, um, pizza in particular. You know, is my favorite. And I used to uh, joke and just say say that uh, you know I have a an American body, but an Italian digestive system. You know, I just I love the the, <laughs> the red gravy, which is interesting because in New Orleans we call it red gravy. You know, that's not Absolutely. necessarily something that you hear everywhere it's not else. Sauce. <laughs> that's right. It's not a red sauce. It's a red gravy. So that's if anybody out there listening, if you if you travel to New Orleans and you want some red sauce, ask for red gravy. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Chef Amy, it has been an, an absolute joy uh, talking with you uh, today. Uh, we have we said this earlier. The the website is uh, languanola.com, L-A-N-G-L-O-I-S-N-O-L-A.com. I will have links over at catholicfoodie.com. But you're also on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, Langua is on Instagram and or at least on Twitter. Uh, but are you you also have a personal account, huh? Cookbook Nola. I am. I'm at Cookbook Nola, and um, it is the Crazy Adventures of Amy. Um, <laughs> and pretty much, um, you know, I'm not of the generation that takes pictures of themselves. I do try occasionally to throw a picture of myself in there, but um, I am of the. I take a picture of just about everything I eat. Yes. So um, <laughs> as long as my, um, you know, the the people at my gym aren't following me <laughs> to know that I am doing everything wrong. Um, you know, I encourage everybody but my gym members and personal trainer to follow at Cookbook Nola or um, also at Langlois Nola to see what's happening at both of those. Awesome. Thank you again so much. It's been such a joy. You've been listening to the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio, and we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned. Catholic New Media.